Welcome to the United Church Podcast. We're a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love and walking in the ways of Jesus. We're striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you're encouraged and challenged by this week's homily. May the peace of Christ be with you. Early on, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is for the nerds, the geeks, the dweebs. For those who stay up late into the night crafting and constructing their own realms and worlds and dreams, who conjure up new possibilities, hopes, and opportunities. This is for the grandmas who sat behind plexiglass, quarantined from hugs, longing for a simple touch, who washed the birth of their grandkids through screens. Shake the dust. This is for the burnout, the burnt out, the stressed out, and the overworked single mom holding down three jobs. This is for the restaurant server and grocery store worker, the nurses and doctors who hold grief upon grief upon grief. Shake the dust. This is for the new kid, the schoolyard bully, and the fat girls who are told they'll never be pretty. Shake the dust. This is for the frightened and anxious, the dreamers and the believers, for the skeptics and doubters whose thoughts torment them in the dark of night and questions deconstruct their reality. This is for the downtrodden, the outcast, and the overlooked, for those who sit beneath the bridges ignored, yet looked at with silent disdain. This 
is for the addicts who struggle through this life one minute at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. Shake the dust. This is for the trans man and for those for whom the amendments do not stand up for and whom the laws do not protect. Shake the dust. Know that you too are not alone. As we sit together, apart, within this crucible of fear, as we sit with our tears and our fears, abandoned and let down, as we feel ashamed and guilty for how we feel, comparing our lives with those outside our skin, shake the dust. Two thousand years ago, a group of friends sat together behind locked doors, afraid, filled with doubts, terrified of what was next. Their hopes, their dreams crushed under the weight of the world, reduced to rubble under the weight of their oppressors. They too had hoped things would be different, that what they had given their lives to, what they had invested their lives into would be different, that it would change things, that it would change them. But instead they ran and they were filled with shame. When the fear overtook them, when the terror of the moment descended, they scattered like leaves, denying what they'd seen, denying what they'd been a part of, denying what they had hoped was true, what had to be true. They didn't watch. They couldn't watch. But the women did. The men ran away, but the women ran near. The women told them the stories of how he was beaten and tortured and battered and bruised, how he was led down the street to his slaughter as the crowd hurled insults his way, pelting him with stones and food, marking his body with more and more shame. If only we could hold him one more time, just one more hug. If only we could comfort him in his greatest hour of need. The women told them the stories of the nails, the sounds of metal upon metal ripping through his flesh, sounds they swore they'd never be able to forget. Tears streaming down their faces as they watched helplessly huddled together holding one another. And yet in those moments of their greatest sorrow and in his greatest pain, they told the others how he looked at them, not begging for help, but with love. As their eyes connected, their hearts connected, their lives connected. Once again, heart connected to heart, soul connected to soul. It wasn't supposed to end this way, but little did they know that this wasn't the ending, but only the beginning. Early on Sunday morning, as they stayed huddled together in the upper room, the women went to the grave. They had to see Jesus' body, to wash his body, to anoint his body, to wrap his body, and prepare him for burial. But when they arrived, his body was gone. The stone had been rolled away. The burial linens laid in a pile. The blood drained from their faces. Filled with fear and horror and terror, anger and rage and grief, grief compounded upon grief, as more tears poured from their eyes. Questions and anger and grief. Why would they do this? Where have they taken his body? Where is my Jesus? And Mary ran 
In the dark of the morning, as the sun was cresting over the horizon, Mary ran, tears streaming down her face, her mind racing with stories and possibilities. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, she cried as she burst through the door, her unmistakable voice filled with a cry of grief from the depths of her being. And they ran. The men, they ran towards the tomb faster and faster. They ran. What horrors would this new day bring? As the sun filled the sky, their fears confirmed the unwrapped linen laying in a pile inside an empty tomb. Jesus was gone. They walked home. But Mary stayed. Mary always stayed. And as she stood in front of the empty tomb with tears streaming down her face and grief compounding upon grief, filling her entire being, she peeked inside. And sitting in front of her where Jesus' body had been laid were two figures in white, messengers, angels. Woman, why are you crying, they asked. They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put him. Again, a third person standing in front of her asked, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking that he was simply the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. The gardener said to her, Mary. Mary turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, Jesus! She hadn't recognized him at first. He, he didn't look quite the same. The grief had clouded her vision. Jesus! She screamed as she flung her arms around his neck. One more hug. Mary wept tears of overwhelming joy, holding him as tightly as she could as Jesus comforted her as she held to him as tightly as she could. Go tell my brothers, Mary. Go tell them what you've seen. Go tell them that I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. I have seen the Lord, she screamed with profound joy. I have seen the Lord. This is the gospel. This is the good news. That Jesus has risen from the grave, that death could not hold him, that the state could not defeat him, that the powers and principalities of this world would not and could not win, that death does not have the last word. Paul tells us that through Jesus' resurrection, that all things were reconciled to him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. The resurrection has profound implications. It literally changes everything. I think one of the more missed parts of this story is in Jesus' words to Mary, a small and slight moment where he says to her, go tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. That in this moment of resurrection, there is this new connection that is possible between us and God. For we are no longer enemies with God, Paul says, but his children. This is for the outcasts, the downtrodden, the skeptic. This is for you. 
You see, as the sun dawned a new day on that Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, Jesus was birthing something new, something different. He began ushering in a new world where the old order of things had passed away and a new way of being was possible. It wasn't a secret. He taught us, he taught the disciples to hope for it, to believe in this new world through our prayers, that that we would pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That even today, we would echo those same hopes and cries to our Father, our God. That the kingdom of God would be made manifest here. That it would be birthed here, in us, through us, and around us. And I know it's hard because we don't necessarily recognize it when we see it. Just like Mary didn't recognize Jesus when she saw him at first. Our eyes need to adjust to the light to see more clearly that the kingdom of God that Jesus spoke of and that he brought near as he invites us to continue the work to bring the kingdom of God near here and now. Because this kingdom that has come near It's a kingdom of liberation, of freeing the prisoner and the oppressed, of putting evil asunder and putting the world to rights. It's a a kingdom of love, loving the immigrant and the outcast, the outsider and the oppressed, of loving God and each other and one another, of loving yourself and tenderly knowing that you too are created in his image. You too are an image bearer of God. It's a kingdom of joy, a joy that brims with hope and overflows with exuberance, a joy that rests deep within the core of your being because you know, you just know that you're held by God, loved by God. It's a kingdom of peace and peacemakers, not the absence of conflict, but the presence of justice, a peace that passes all understanding and exemplifies that peace is wholeness, that all of us can come together in unity and in hope, in love and in mercy and grace and possibility. Peace is knowing in you, knowing your whole self fully, the ability to see you as God sees you. I could go on because you see, it's a kingdom of patience and kindness, a kingdom of goodness and gentleness, a kingdom of faithfulness and self-control, a kingdom where the meek inherit the earth and the pure in heart are blessed. I could go on and on because you see, it's a kingdom of hope. It's a kingdom where creation groans no more and where God dwells with his people, a kingdom where there are no more tears. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. No more surgeries or fear where the lame can walk and the blind can see, where disease and evil are vanquished. And this, this is what Jesus said was coming near through him. This is for the grief-stricken, the weepers and the wailers, for the pushed out, the shoved out, the left out. This is for you. The invitation is open. It's open to you. And Jesus is whispering your name, inviting you to come. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. 
If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.